Welcome back to Always YA, the podcast where we talk about young adult books and other YA media. I'm Jane McMahon, and I'm here with my fellow librarians, Kate Pritchard and Susan Timmons. And for February, we are going to talk about what else? <laughs> YA romance. But first, we're going to share a little bit about what media we've been checking out since our last episode. So Kate, would you go first, please? Sure. So I recently read When the Angels Left the Old Country by Sasha Lamb, and I really enjoyed it. So this story is primarily about an angel and a demon who are best friends. And if you think that sounds a little bit like Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, that is absolutely what prompted me to pick it up since Good Omens is a favorite of mine. But that very basic premise is really the only thing that these two books have in common. Uh, when the Angels Left the Old Country is historical fiction. The date is not specified, uh, I don't think, but it's set essentially in the early 20th century. And the story begins in a tiny Jewish shtetl in Poland where the angel and the demon have studied Talmud together for the last 200 years. When they discover that a young woman from their village hasn't been heard from since she emigrated to America and her family is worried that she might be in trouble, they go off together to search for her. Along the way, they pick up another young woman named Rose, who is emigrating by herself after her best friend broke her heart. So it's a book that is um, really deeply Jewish. Um, it's also really beautifully queer without feeling anachronistic. Um, and it's also just a really well-plotted and um, engaging story. So I highly recommend it. So that was When the Angels Left the Old Country. All right. Thanks, Kate. Um, Susan, what about you? I was totally blindsided by this little show. I don't know if you've heard of it, Wednesday. <laughs> um, it premiered on Netflix on November 23rd. And so mentally, I was out of scary season. I had very low expectations for it because of my memories of the, the, the Adams Family show being pretty juvenile. And so it was not on my list to check out. And then all of a sudden, I keep hearing about it, hearing about it, clips. Kids are talking about it. And so I finally watch it, and it's it's so fun. It, I mean, it's scary, and so it's mm. definitely for older kids in the original series. It's gory, um, but it's pitch perfect if you like snark. Um, <laughs> it's super snarky, and it just really goes all in. Um, and so it, it's it was great. It was really fun. But again, it was so weird to be here we are in Christmas and I'm mm. back while watching <laughs> essentially a horror show, but it was really, really well done. So all of the buzz about it, I think is well-deserved. Again, slightly older teens, cause it is gory, but it is a blast. Okay. Um, one follow-up question mm -hmm. on the snark factor. <laughs> yeah. So would you say this is leaning towards like, because some people can handle a little bit of snark, but they're like, ah, oh, actually the whole show is kind of mean-spirited. So where would you say it kind of falls on the spectrum? If Ted Lasso is like anti-snark, where would Wednesday be? In a way, it's it's not mean-spirited because the idea is there, it's this boarding school for kids who are outcast, kids who don't fit in other places. Mm. And they begin to research the history of this town that had these puritanical impulses. Um, and so it's a little bit more of embracing your inner freak, <laughs> but beware because your inner freak could be uh, dangerous also. So, <laughs> okay. Um, for me, uh, here on Always YA, we love to shout out our favorite bookstores. Mm -hmm. And I recently got to visit a new shop in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. 
So there's a new store uh, there called Butcher Cabin Books. I'm actually wearing my Butcher Cabin hoodie (laughs) right now as we record. And it specializes in horror, as you might have guessed by the name. And so that's where I picked up a book called Cursed Objects by J.W. Auker. Um, So this isn't officially a YA book or marketed as YA, but I think of something like this um, as having a high YA appeal. Mm -hmm. And uh, the book covers dozens of cursed objects like the Hope Diamond or the Annabelle doll. Mm. And uh, But each entry is just a few pages long and you can kind of jump around in the book depending on what looks interesting to you. And one thing I really liked from the introduction was that Mr. Auker talks about the differences between being cursed versus being haunted or being possessed and why, hmm. how he kind of chose like what items belong in this book and what don't. Hmm. And he says, though, that even if you have zero belief in curses or no belief in you know paranormal activity of any sort, then one way you can think about the objects in this book is to say that they are objects that have kind of attracted stories to themselves. Hmm. And I found that concept um, quite interesting. (laughs) So that is Cursed Objects by J.W. Auker. And if you're in the Louisville area, I recommend stopping by Butcher Cabin Books. Okay. Uh, Susan? Can I just mention something? I hadn't realized this was the same author. I didn't know you were going to talk about this book. My library just ordered The United States of Cryptids, a tour of American myths and monsters. And I mean, literally, we had just unboxed it before a child came and basically ripped it out of our hands (laughs) and was like, I must have this immediately. And so it's the same author and they're gorgeously produced. They have this nice hardback and it's really readable. So I'm going to buy Cursed Objects right away. That sounds fantastic. Um, I'm wondering, so Cursed Objects was published by Quirk Books, who puts, they put out a lot of fun mm. stuff. I don't know if Cryptid Crypt- is. is also Quirk, but um, I'm just always a big fan. If I'm if I'm looking sure. at something, I'm not sure about it, and I'm like, oh, this is for Quirk? Like, <laughs> that will usually kind of make the decision mm. for me. Um, okay, so our topic for the month of February is YA romance. So before we get into our individual titles, we're going to discuss YA as a genre just for a little bit. Um, and so, Kate, how do you feel about YA romance as a genre? Is it a fave, not a fave? Mm-hmm. Where do you lie? Um, so for the longest time, I really thought I was not much of a romance fan. Um, I just wasn't really drawn to the genre, and I probably had some inaccurate preconceptions about it, too. Um, I just sort of figured, you know, romance books, they all tell the same basic story, you know, and because the ending is never a surprise, you know, that sort of takes away some of your desire to find out, like, what happens next. Um, However, what I really love in a story is great characters. So if they're interesting, you know, flawed, believable people, um, dialogue that really comes alive, complicated relationships between those characters, those are all things that really make a story sing. Um, And, you know, it turns out sometimes I want those characters to end up together. So here's where I confess that I do sometimes read fan fiction mm-hmm. and that, you know, wanting certain characters to get together is usually what drives me to seek it out if that has not happened um, in the, you know, the original text. So eventually I realized that, you know, maybe reading romance would also kind of scratch that itch. Um, but, you know, for me, um, a good romance really lives or dies on the strength of its characters. And I will say that I'm often disappointed by romance books because, you know, either the characters don't feel believable or interesting or, 
you know, their attraction to each other maybe seems contrived. Um, so I'm more likely to appreciate a romance if it's not the main focus of a story, but something that, you know, develops naturally between characters over the course of a story that has many other elements. So I do pick up more romance books now than I used to, but it is probably the genre that I abandon most easily. Um, and I also read more queer romances than straight romance for various reasons. But um, one is that there's often a feeling of like joy and hope and triumph in a queer romance that um, isn't typically built into the story of a straight romance in the same way. Okay. Uh, Kate, thanks for your thoughts on <laughs> YA romance. Uh, Susan, what do you think about YA romance as a genre? I love romances. Um, one of the things that's a little bit difficult in a middle and high school library is just the age appropriateness of romances. But I can tell you, we did recently genrefy our collections. So we moved all the literature into the different genres. So we can now see which genres circulate the most. Mm. So definitely fantasy and sci-fi circulate the most. We, But you know, there's so many more books published in that genre for mm -hmm. these ages. So we probably have four times as many you know, fantasy and sci-fi books for middle and high school students than we do any other genre. But then after that, romance is the, the most frequently circulating genre. It circulates more than mystery or realistic fiction or historical fiction. I think we were all a little bit surprised to see that. Um, and so then the struggle becomes finding books for a middle school mm -hmm. and high school audience that are age appropriate because you know the, the romance um, industry uses these terms spicy and sweet, <laughs> um, but the reviewers don't use those terms. And so it is really hard to tell when you're trying to read a review and it's very good on a book and then you, you buy it and you get it in and you read it and you could not have told beforehand how graphic um, mm. that particular book is. And so that is the one genre that we're, we're always sort of trying to check the most. Mm. Um, maybe sort of if a, a big romance fan wants to read it and then come back and tell us if it's age appropriate. Um, that's the real struggle in terms of buying young adult romances. But I will say personally, I'm a huge romance fan. And I love, Kate, that you made that point, the ending is never a surprise, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, there's a lot of criticism, I think, lobbed at the romance genre that doesn't get equally lobbed at other genres. Mm. And so here's my, my um, comparison. <laughs> I would say if you pick up a mystery book, mm -hmm. there's never any doubt the mystery will get solved. True. You just don't know how. True. And so in you pick up a romance book, there should not be any doubt that the couple will get together. Mm -hmm. That is kind of the bargain you get when you buy a romance book. They're supposed to get together, but you don't know how. Sure. So if you think about it, in both cases, the readers read it for the journey, mm -hmm. not the destination. The journey, how exactly will you know someone get knocked off in a murder <laughs> mystery? How exactly will the couple overcome their differences in mm -hmm. a romance? So to me, they're, they're always unique and they're always different, not because of the ending, but because of the journey itself. Sure. And so this is how deep I am. I actually did my graduate level work for my library degree on Beauty and the Beast as a trope, oh. right? And so one of the things I learned in doing this research, and it helps explain to me why I love this particular trope, it um, dates back to the Greek myth of Cupid and Psyche. 
And so um, Psyche uh, was a daughter, I think, of a king, and there had been a prophecy saying that one of the king's daughters was going to marry this creature whom even the gods feared. Mm. And so the king and everything else imagined it would be this hideous monster. And so poor Psyche is the daughter who gets essentially sacrificed off to marry this unknown beast. The winds pick her up and they deliver her to this palace that is full of invisible servants. And so you start to see recognize some of the beauty and the beast pieces, the invisible servants and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but she's never allowed to see her her um, husband. And so eventually she sort of lights a candle and she sneaks in and sees that it's Cupid. Um, and then she is basically punished. She violated the terms of the agreement. Cupid's mother, Aphrodite, has to send Psyche on a quest. Okay, so in order for Psyche to continue to be married to Cupid, she has to overcome all of these challenges. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it trans the, the, the story sort of transfers into your very basic Greek hero quest. So she's got to get animal helpers and like mm-hmm. meet these challenges. She even has to travel to the underworld. She has to do all of these things to earn basically the right to be with Cupid, okay? And so if you start to think about a romance as being essentially a hero's quest for the often for the female protagonist, Mm -hmm. it starts to look a little bit different, okay? And you know, one of the reasons that I think romance often again gets easily criticized is that it's written primarily by women authors for women readers. Mm -hmm. Now, not entirely. I think Romance Writers of America did run some statistics, and about 18% of romance readers are male, so it's not completely. But most of the authors are women. And that's a big difference from the rest of fiction, where about 70% of the authors are male. The majority of the protagonists are male. So you get Mm. this genre that is sort of by women for women, right? And so what is so important about that is you get these these heroes quests hmm. by women, mm-hmm. but um, there is this wonderful compilation of essays uh, written by these different very famous romance authors, and I think it was called um, Dangerous Men and Adventurous Women. And <laughs> these essays made the argument that in these many of these novels, the hero or the male lead, I should say, is both the obstacle that has to be overcome mm. <laughs> and the boon that is won at the end when the female hero is successful in her quest, mm. right? So if you think of it that way, right, it, suddenly it starts to look really different. Mm-hmm. And so if you take something like the hero's journey monomyth, and you map it onto Twilight, right? So Bella has to leave the familiar and answer the call to adventure, right? Mm -hmm. So she has to move to Forks, Washington. (laughs) She has to have different sort of um, allies along the way. So maybe Alice is her, the wise, uh, the witch figure ally who helps her. And not to spoil Twilight for anyone (laughs) who hasn't made it all the way to the last book, so if you haven't uh, made it to the end of the the series and you don't want to hear this, just fast forward. But in the in the end, she actually becomes the most powerful of all of the characters. She mm-hmm. persists. She gets everything she wanted, and she saves all of them at the end from the bad vampires because she has she discovers a superpower in herself that she didn't know about. <laughs> and so again. It all kind of depends on how you look at it. <laughs> but with this sort of myth underneath it of Beauty and the Beast, 
I I always conceive of the romantic heroine as on her hero's quest, you know, overcoming all of these obstacles and getting into her true identity. And so I I love them. I enjoy them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, as for me, I think romance as a genre just of storytelling is something I've enjoyed more in movies than reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if there's a clear reason behind that. It may be because I like my YA characters a little bit on the angsty, offbeat side. And mm-hmm. sometimes when I'm browsing YA, especially in the last several years, um, a lot of the characters just seem a bit nonspecific to me. It's kind of like generic teenage girl or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and since it's generally quite obvious from the beginning in a romance, if characters are going to end up together, it usually needs something else to hook me. Just adding on a little bit to Susan, what you were just saying. Um, in terms of the genre or genres that can tend to uh, formulaic nature, you know, we could say the same thing about most sports movies. Um, sure. It's, you know, generally a given that, you know, the team the or the underdog will, is going yeah. to win in the end. Mm-hmm. And even if they shake it up by like, oh, actually, they don't win the championship game. There's usually some other subplot in play it's like but the brothers were reunited and that was the real victory after all (laughs) so they don't leave you you know devastated (laughs) at the end um and that's usually uh rarely in doubt anyway uh kate well i think i mean this does make me think about what to me is like the real appeal of romance which is that it's satisfying you know going in like this story is going to make me happy it's going to feel good things are going to turn out the way that i would want them to in the end so uh, you know my usually if i think about a romance is like did it satisfy me mm-hmm. or not yeah exactly but when i'm browsing romance uh often there are kind of needs to be something else to draw me in, especially if it's something like if I'm going to pick a romance book over something else I might normally gravitate Mm -hmm. toward. So maybe it's because reading a book is more of a time investment than watching a movie that Mm -hmm. I'm more open-minded about romance in cinema than books. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't read any of Jenny Han's books, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoyed the film of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Mm -hmm. And I'll admit, if I'm reading a good romance and sparks are starting to fly between the characters, (laughs) I think to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why people (laughs) like this. Like, no wonder people just tear through Mm -hmm. stacks and stacks of these. So... There could still be hope for me and and the romance (laughs) genre. Okay, so now we're going to move on into some uh, individual title selections. And uh, Kate is going to go first for us. All right, so for this episode, um, the book that I settled on was The One True Me and You by Remy K. England. Um, And I picked this up because the premise just really hooked me. So the story plays out over the course of one weekend at a hotel in Florida where two events are taking place. There's the Miss Cosmic Teen USA beauty pageant, and then also Great Con, a fan convention for the fictional TV show The Great Game. So our star-crossed lovers are Tegan, aka Miss Virginia, um, who needs the scholarship money that winning Miss Cosmic Teen would provide. But she is understandably worried that um, her chances will be shot if anyone finds out that she's gay. And then we have uh, Kaylee, a.k.a. K for the Win It, a fan fiction writer who's using this weekend and the queer positive space of fandom to try out they, them pronouns for the first time. 
So um, I'm always really interested to see fandom culture portrayed in books for teens, um, since that was something that just didn't exist in the same way when I was a teenager. Um, and I felt like in this book, it was definitely coming from uh, really a place of love and long experience in that world. I know nothing about the world of beauty pageants, but um, the way that Tegan talks about her pageant career kind of helped me to understand the appeal of it um, a little bit better. So I felt like, um, you know, this book was not flawless. Um, the side characters in particular were pretty undeveloped, uh, which was unfortunate because I thought some of them could have been really interesting. Uh, but I really liked the main characters and yeah, their romance was sweet and satisfying. Um, there's definitely in this book, there's a strong theme of like figuring out who you are, becoming confident in yourself and learning to speak your truth. And that worked really well for the story and also, you know, helped add to like the sense of, you know, happiness and satisfaction that you feel for these characters um, by the end of it. So, you know, there's no question as to where the plot is headed, um, even though um, there's a sort of third act conflict that kind of seems to spin up out of nowhere. So, you know, there's not a ton of narrative tension, but um, as we've said, you know, that's in a way that's kind of a, um, a feature of the romance genre or a potential um, a potential feature of the genre. Um, so that's just sort of in general, you know, not specific to this uh, one book. So again, you know, the book is um, one that I really enjoyed. Uh, it's called The One True Me and You. And definitely if you're in the mood for an uplifting, you know, feel good kind of story, um, I would definitely recommend it. All right, great. So Susan, what's your title for this month? I read Wicked Fox by Kat Cho um, for a couple of reasons. So this is set in Seoul, and the um, the female lead is a gumiho, which is the this folktale character that is a nine-tailed fox. So she's half human, half gumiho, and um, I loved the setting was done really well. So you feel like you can smell the stews cooking mm -hmm. and the, the language and everything about the setting feels very specific to Seoul. Um, but it has a lot of Korean mythology in it. And so they tell you some of the folk tales about the gumiho who are often these seductive figures who lure people in and then devour their livers and hence kill them. And so there are a lot of warnings about beware the gumiho, beware the nine-tailed fox. Um, and so I, I loved that part of it. And I actually, you know, you were talking about star-crossed lovers, mm -hmm. right? And this Romeo and Juliet type of trope is a popular one in romance, but it's, I think, getting harder and harder to find who would be the star-crossed lovers of today. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things that maybe 50 years ago would have kept lovers apart um, societally no longer keep them apart. And so I don't know if maybe that's why LGBTQ fiction, you still have a little bit of that tension of will they be able to get together? For sure. You know? yeah. But we don't have warring houses anymore, per se. <laughs> um, and so I think that the new sort of Romeo and Juliet is paranormal romance because most parents will draw the line at zombies. <laughs> you still can't bring a zombie home to mom and dad, or in this case, the nine tailed fox who's going to eat your liver. <laughs> so I enjoy the paranormal romance subgenre, I guess you could, mm -hmm. you could call it. And you also get um, some of that Beauty and the Beast flavor. In this one, the girl is the beast. She's mm. dangerous. 
She also, um, the, the poor boy, the way they meet is he stumbles into the forest on the night of a full moon and he's attacked <laughs> by a dokebi, a goblin, and she swoops in with her superpowers and saves him hmm. quite dramatically. And then, of course, we find out she's also the new transfer student at his high school. <laughs> um, so they, of course, fall together and all sorts of things go terribly, terribly wrong. And um, this does have a lot of the angst um, that I enjoy about Korean dramas and that they find out that various characters are actually long lost relatives that they didn't know and other people are on the verge of death and it's um, very high stakes and danger and action in addition to the romance. Now, sadly, um, this is a two-parter Hmm. So not all of the ends were tied up, but um, I do have the sequel, Vicious Spirits, hmm. um, because there are there's a lot about shamans and um, talismans called bujok and all kinds of magic. Uh, so uh, I enjoyed the romance, but I also enjoyed the setting and I enjoyed all of the paranormal elements. So it's just fun, but angsty not mm. quite the satisfying read you might be hoping for kate <laughs> sounds perfect for you though jane <laughs> <laughs> horror some horror for sure that's right yeah and angst <laughs> uh okay uh, so my pick is, might be maybe not the opposite of that but <laughs> definitely a whole different area so I mentioned before, um, because romance isn't my favorite genre, there usually has to be something else to pull me in. Um, and that's why I'm recommending My Second Impression of You by Michelle I. Mason. So Ray Ann Parker over at Parnassus Books actually pointed me toward this title. If you listen to our mini episode on giftable books, you heard Rayanne on that. So mm -hmm. thanks, Rayanne. Anyway, I told Rayanne that I like books that have time loop plots like Groundhog Day or Palm Springs or, you know, situations where someone's maybe like reliving the same day. I'm also just kind of a sucker for like time travel in mm -hmm. general. <laughs> so this book isn't exactly about, it's not about living the same day over a thousand times, but it is about getting to pick a best day of your life and revisiting that day. Mm -hmm. So the narrator of this book is a high school girl named Maggie who gets dumped by her perfect boyfriend on the day she thinks he's going to ask her to the prom. Mm -hmm. And right up front, I need to say that Maggie is a theater kid with a capital T and a capital K. <laughs> and if you don't have a high mileage for theater kid energy, this isn't going to be the book for you. Um, I think I'm realizing right now like that I normally I try and make recommendations that have really broad crossover appeal mm -hmm. and so I'm feeling a little nervous now about um, recommending something that's going to be a little niche. I guess I have a fear that someone would be like I read that book and I didn't like it but so this book is not going to be for, for, for everyone but if you know a theater teen uh, I would I would recommend this so Maggie not only gets dumped, but she also breaks her foot. Mm -hmm. And that means she has to drop out of her current play and maybe off stage for a while. So big nightmare for her. Mm -hmm. And then one day, uh, a mysterious app appears on her phone that allows her to revisit her best day, um, which she believes is the day she met her boyfriend, Theo. Only when she revisits that day, she also gets access to a feature called Backstage Pass. And that allows her even to hear what other people around her were thinking and feeling on that day. Oh, like, no. Yeah, that sounds like a total nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, maybe it's not quite like, what is it, Buff, the Buffy episode of uh, Earshot, yep. <laughs> where she's totally overwhelmed by information because yeah. it is kind of like moderated through this app. Mm. And she also realizes sometimes you get part of the story, but that doesn't mean you know everything. Right. Uh, and it's still better always just to actually talk to someone about what's going on mm-hmm. rather than like relying just on your own perspective or even what you think their right. perspective might be. As you can imagine, this kind of affects how she looks at that so-called perfect day Mm -hmm. um, and what it was actually like. And it also helps her gain some insight about herself. And uh, as with a lot of romance, there was little suspense about whether Maggie was going to end up back with Theo or will it be Theo's friend who Maggie had the wrong first impression of? What? So, hmm, what could it be? Anyway, regardless, this is still a book that offers a little something to think about in terms of how we rarely know what is really going on with the people around us every day or for people interested in theater. Maggie often references different musicals or well-known stars of stage and screen. And um, most importantly, she mentions the opening number of Grease 2, which everyone <laughs> agrees is the most important musical film of the 20th century. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> so that's my second impression of you by Michelle I. Mason. Mm. Okay, so those are our three romance titles we're discussing this month. But before we wrap up this episode, we always like to say a little bit about something we're looking forward to ahead. Uh, So Kate, what are you looking forward to? So this time of year, um, I always look forward to the ALA Youth Media Awards. Um, And by the time this episode airs, they will have already happened. Um, But at the moment, I'm still living in anticipation. Um, So these are awards like the Caldecott and the Newbery Awards, you know, which um, a lot of people know about already, uh, but also less well-known ones like the Prince Award for Best YA Novel um, and the William C. Morris Award for Best Debut YA Novel um, and the Alex Awards for um, books published for adults, but with particular appeal for teens. That's always a really interesting uh, list. Um, So there's always surprises when they announce the awards um, and they often lead me to books that I, you know, maybe overlooked or in some cases even books that I hadn't heard of before. And then I have an excuse to order a whole bunch of new books for my library, Mm -hmm. which is always fun. Yay! Um, I actually like to think of the um, Youth Media Awards as also like the Smugness Awards or the Championships <laughs> of Smugness because obviously, you know, once everything's announced, we kind of mm. review it and see like, oh, is there anything that we need to buy now? Oh. And if you already have like a bunch of the titles, right, you, you feel, are, you really feel smug. like so good at your job. You're like, oh, yeah, of course, I knew about that way before. Right. <laughs> it won the prince. Um, it's also really great. It's been a while since I've done this, but I remember I... I predicted Midwinter Blood was going Ooh. to be the Prince mm-hmm. the year that it won. And that was I'm a bit of a dark horse. Riding waves yeah. of sadness <laughs> from that. Um, that was great. Susan, what are you looking forward to? So season two of Lee Bardugo's Shadow and Bone is coming Mm -hmm. to Netflix on March 16th. And that's another series similar to Wednesday that, you know, I hadn't really paid attention to when it dropped and my kids were the ones who found it and then they brought it to my attention. They're like, you have to see this. And I'm like, you are right. This is amazing. (laughs) You have such good taste. And so now they have hooked me and now I am also super excited about the continuing adventures in the Grishaverse mm-hmm. uh, in March. Nice. Okay, if you've been K 
catching up on recent movie trailers that are dropping, then you know there's going to be a new film adaptation of Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> and really, that's I feel like that's all I need to say because <laughs> this Judy Bloom book, though I guess technically, I feel like when I read this book, I, I don't feel like middle grade as a genre necessarily existed. Mm-hmm. Right. This mm-hmm. may be kind of more like upper middle grade than YA. Or really, it's it's that transition from mm-hmm. you know totally yeah middle grade to YA. Mm-hmm. I mean, could there be a more foundational text <laughs> for American girlhood if we're talking about like suburban white girlhood? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how much they might be attempting to update that. The book is you know about fifty years old. Mm. Rachel McAdams and Kathy Bates play the mom and the grandmother, mm, wow. and <laughs> Margaret is played by a young actor named. Abby Ryder Fortson and I took a look at her IMDB and mm-hmm. I guess she played a kid in Ant-Man and the Wasp and she's got some mm-hmm. credits for uh, mm-hmm. a, a young person but I am not familiar with her really from anything anyway it's going to be released in April and I am looking forward to it <laughs> Yay! so uh, that's pretty much it for this installment of Always YA uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram we're at Always YA Pod if you want to share any thoughts about YA romance you can email us at alwaysyapod at gmail.com if you want to see a list of the books we discussed in this episode please check our show notes next month we're dedicating our March episode to author Ellen Whitlinger also known as the mother of our own Kate Pritchard. Um, Ms. Whitlinger passed away late in 2022, and in her honor, next time, we'll be discussing LGBT representation in YA Lit, a topic that was near and dear to her heart, as she was among the early wave of YA authors to include LGBT characters in their books, long before the current boom of queer representation in the genre. So until then, we are Jane McMahon, Kate Pritchard, and Susan Timmons, and we are Always YA. YA. Thank you for listening.